Thank you for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us, we hope you know you are loved and that this message encourages you. I'm looking at the elite, God's elect people right here in the church this morning. Because I looked out and I said, God, it's cold, it's rainy, and there's a football game on at 10 o'clock. Is anybody going to show up to church today in a place that's full? We got, this is the elect right here, the elect of God's people right here. So congratulations for being in the house of God. We start a brand new series today. I want you to get your outlines out of your bulletin if you would. And we're going to start this new series today. And I want to begin by asking you this question. How many of you have ever had too much week left for your paycheck? <laughs> right? In other words, you just didn't have enough, you know, there's too many days left and you ran out of money and your, you know, pay today is not here yet, but you need it to be here today. Maybe you aren't making enough money where you are. Maybe you have a spending problem. Maybe you lack a plan in order to get ahead. Or maybe you're just in too much debt. And I know that there are some people that, that are here that you're probably saying, eh, we shouldn't be talking about money in church. In fact, you know, I say this almost every time, but people are funny about money in church. Yeah, they are. And if you're new, I'm glad that you're about this. But I believe it's important because as I look to the Bible and I start looking at the scriptures, what I find is that in the New Testament, one out of 10 verses deal with money or possessions. By the way, a one out of 10, that's a 10th, that's a tithe. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, or if God just set it up that way, but I think that's awesome. Three possessions, times more than faith, and that's five times more than the topic of even prayer, is money and possessions. When, when I look at the Bible, I see that, that two-thirds of Jesus' parables deal with money and possessions. And so, so I'm, I'm left with this conclusion that, that it must be important to God. And I think the reason that Jesus and the Bible deal so much with money is because there is no greater, there is no greater measurement, visible measurement of the condition of our heart than our money and our finances. It's one of the best outward measurements of the inward spiritual condition of a person. In fact, in all of those verses that deal with money and possessions, there's some incredible spiritual truth that if we'll live by it, that we'll see God begin to work in our lives. In fact, I'm gonna talk about one of those today found in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse seven. And it says this, that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a servant. Say servant. The borrower is a servant to the lender. In your notes, the word servant is this. It means a servant or a slave or in bondage. There's really a stronger meaning even than that. What it really means is that you're taken hostage, you're bound, that you've been bound up, that you've been a slave, that you've been taken hostage when you owe someone money, when you are in debt. The borrower, the one who's in debt, is a servant, enslaved to, is in bondage to the one that they owe money to. Now, chances are that most of you in this room, by statistics, that you're probably in some kind of debt. And say, so, hey, listen to these statistics. The average household, uh, average household debt in, America, in the United States is a 136% of the household income. Meaning this, they're spending 36% more than they're making. How does that work? Unless you're putting it on credit cards, right? I mean, they're spending 36% more than they're making, the average in America. 
For those carrying a credit card balance, the average credit card debt balance in the United States is between 9,300 and 14,500, depending on which organization you believe, somewhere around $10,000 per household in the United States. They're in debt. The average 21-year-old, any 21-year-olds in the room? Amen. The average 21, 22-year-old, the average 21-year-old owes $12,000. And by the time that they are 28, they will owe $78,000 in debt. This is the average in America. The average number of U.S. households living paycheck to paycheck is 55%. I think it's way more here in California, if I'm being honest. And wouldn't you agree? Meaning this, that if they lost their job, they could not pay next month's mortgage payment or next month's rent payment. This is, this is the reality that's happening right here in America today. So strap is the new norm for the United States. It's, it's, if, you're, if you're living in the United States, household debt, car payment debt, student debt, credit card payment debt, sleepless nights, married tension, and worry because all those things are... I don't, our lives. In fact, people are so stressed, they would love to get married to their, afford it. They would actually love to have more children, but they can't afford it. They would love to have a little larger home for their growing family, but they can't afford it. They'd love to stop renting and buy a house, but they can't, can't afford it. They'd love to help somebody who's in need, but they just can't afford it. They'd love to go on a missions trip, but they can't afford it. They'd love to give a little more than their tithe help, but they just can't they can't afford it because they are strapped. Because they're oh more than than they're making. I want to talk briefly about two temptations this morning and then one thing at the end that kind of brings some freedom to us and some life. But there are two temptations that we all face in this area. And the first one is this, and now in your notes, the first temptation of money that we face in things is that we are tempted to serve money. We are tempted to serve money. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, it says this, no one can serve two masters. Either will hate the one and love the other, he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, say that with me, cannot. You cannot serve both God and, and money. Notice Jesus didn't say that you will not. It says you cannot. That is impossible. That you cannot. It is an absolute impossibility for you to serve both God and to serve money. You can't do it. You can't do it. It is impossible. Now, what's interesting to me is this, is that when I look at this verse, Jesus could have said a lot of different things. He could have said, it is impossible for you to serve both God and fill in the blank. Maybe he could have said money, or he could have said power. Maybe he would have said it's impossible to serve both God and yourself. Maybe it's impossible to serve both God and your sexual desires. Maybe it's impossible to serve both God and money, but that's what he chose, didn't he? He chose, he chose money. Out of all the possibilities, why do you think he chose money? Well, I'm guessing that the one who created us and knows us best knows that the number one temptation that we have is going to be in the area of our money and our finances, our possessions. That he knows what really vies for our heart, what really vies for our attention is things instead of him. 
And so he chose this, calculated. He knew exactly what he was saying when he said it. Out of all the choices, he said, listen, I know because I created you that the number one temptation that you're probably going to face in this life, the number one thing that you're going to thing that's going to that's going to destroy that's going to help that's going to hurt people is this the number one thing is this is that not is you're going to deal with the temptation of money that's what's going to cause you to move away from me it's money and some of you are sitting here going hey wait a minute wait a minute i i I don't have any money so i'm not tempted by it (laughs) and you're saying but i'd like to try (laughs) I'd like to try. <laughs> win the lottery. Lord, help me. I'll try. I promise. I'll start tithing if I win the lottery. No, you won't. You won't. See, can, can I just help you here? We don't serve money. We serve God. Yeah. So have you ever bought something? You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't serve money. I don't serve money. Have you ever bought something with money that you didn't have? to impress people you didn't like and you bought something that you didn't need, you might be struggling with money. You bought something that you didn't need, I know. Because you walked around the department store, I've done this, come on, don't, I'm not the only sinner in the room, I know. Where you've walked around the department store and you looked at it and looked at it and looked at it and looked at it and you're like, I don't know. And you talked yourself into getting it and then when you got it home, it wasn't all that you thought it was gonna be. And for some of you, the tags are still on that garment in your closet. Come on now. Come on. I would also argue this, that that if you've ever hoarded money and felt like that it was yours or you felt some kind of comfort from it, then, then maybe that you're serving money. And you don't even, you don't even, you don't even realize it. See, we're all tempted to, move in this direction if we don't watch it. The number two, we're tempted in another way. We're tempted to love money. Paul told Timothy this. He said, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people who are eager for money have wandered from the faith. Listen, they have wandered from the faith. They drift away from the faith. They're so consumed with, or they're so preoccupied with how they're gonna make money and how they're going to get ahead and climb the corporate ladder and how they're gonna have their coffers and how much money they're gonna have by this certain age. And they're so consumed with that that they have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, they intentionally try to wander from the faith. They just happen to drift away from the faith. Can we just hit the pause button here just for a moment? And recognize how powerful this verse is. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. Let that just sell in just for a moment. It is the root of all kinds of evils. Now listen, money is immoral, meaning this. It's neither positive or negative. He didn't say that money was evil. That's not what he said here. He said it was the love of money that brought the root of all kinds of evils into our lives. See, money can be used for good things. It can be used for evil things. It, money isn't evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evils. Some of you are saying, I don't love money because I don't have any. 
But can I just say that there's a lot of poor people, a lot of people that don't have money that actually love money. They're consumed with wanting to have more money. They're obsessed with wanting more money. They're even jealous when they see other people that get blessed in the church. Somebody drives up in a new car or they have some new clothes on or they testify about how God met a need financially or monetarily in their life. And they're like, well, God didn't do that for me. Come on, you have a spirit that's loving money with your brothers and sisters when God does something for them. You should sit back and go, that is awesome. I rejoice with you. That's so incredible. Praise the Lord. I'm excited for you that God has done that in your life. Then go back to your prayer call and say, God, you're no respecter of persons. I'm expecting breakthrough to happen like that in my life and even more. Amen. But you might have a spirit that loves money. Just because you don't have it doesn't mean you don't love it. And then the converse is equally people think is true. They think, well, rich people then obviously love money because they have it. Can I say that's not true either? There's a lot of people that have money just because they're good at what they do. And because they're good at what they do, they're able to leverage the money that they have. They're, they're able to leverage their positions and use it to glorify God, use it to build God's kingdom, use it to do all kinds of great things around the world. They're use, able to use it in that way. That doesn't mean they love money just because they have it. In fact, maybe they have it because they don't love it. And God said, hey, you've been faithful over little. Let me give you some more. And they were faithful over that. And God said, well, you can handle that. So let me give you some more. And God just kept adding to them because they were faithful in what God had given them. Come on, say amen. Amen. So I heard this a number of years ago that, that money will only make you more of what you already are. So if you're generous, guess what? You get money and all of a sudden, you just become more generous. And if you're a hoarder, guess what happens? You just become a person who turns into Ebenezer Scrooge. That's right, amen. Well, you just hoard it to you and keep it to yourself. It just makes you more of what you already are. Again, it is not a money problem. It is a heart problem. That's what it reveals. That's what it reveals to us. And this is what Ecclesiastes, one of the smartest men to ever lived on the planet, Solomon, this is what he says. He says, whoever loves money never has enough money. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. He said, this too is meaningless. It reminds me of a quote from Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes, at the time, I think, was considered the wealthiest man on the planet. And he was sitting down for an interview and he was asked the question, how much is, is enough? I mean, you're now the wealthiest man on the world. How much is enough? And he smiled and looked right into the camera. He said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. He fit this verse, didn't he? He's the wealthiest man in the world. He had everything that you could possibly need and anything that he could buy at his disposal, but he just wanted a little bit more. He wasn't satisfied. He wasn't content. Content, You know, Paul tells us that he had learned the secret of being content, whether it was in plenty, where they had it all, or whether it was in want. Why? Because he had Jesus. See, we don't need more money. What we really need is more of Jesus. We really need to learn to become content with our faith and where we are in Christ. Money isn't the issue. It is a, again, it's a heart issue. Listen to this. It's not how much we make. It's how much we want that's the issue. 
Come on. I mean, it's not on the screen, but you, you might want to write it down. It's not how much you make that's the issue. It's how much you want is the issue. That's the issue. We don't need more money. We really just need more of Jesus in our life. And we need to be learned of the secret of being content with whatever God brings us. Now, I'm not suggesting that you don't work hard, you don't give everything that you can, and you don't try to make yourself better. You don't use the gifts and the talents, the abilities that God has given you. Absolutely. But I'm just saying be careful because you can be tempted to love those things more than you love God. So what's the godly perspective? What's it look like as we bring this to a close? What's it look like? I want you to say this out loud with me. Say, we don't serve money, we serve God. We don't serve money. We serve God. We don't serve money. We serve God. What would happen if you woke up tomorrow and you got ready to go to work and you said that out loud? I don't serve money. I serve God. I'm not going to work because I have to. I get to go to work because that's the place that God has opened the door for me to be able to minister. And yes, by working there, it provides money to meet my needs and provides money so that I can live, but it's a place where God's called me to go and to minister. I don't serve money, I serve God. And I need money to exist and I get all that, but God provides that for me by giving you gifts and talents and the ability. And Deuteronomy says he gives every man the ability to generate and to create well. And he will give you the ability. He'll give you what you need. He will help provide you and walk you through the steps and give you the things that you need in order to provide for you and your family. But it's a different mindset when you walk into your work and you say, this is my ministry. This is not something I have to do. This is something I get called to do. This is something I am blessed to do. These are people that are part of my flock. These are people that I'm called to pray for. These are people that I'm called to minister to. These are people I'm called to, to, to come alongside and be friends. These are people in my life that I'm gonna love on no matter what. And I'm so thankful that I get to minister here at ABC, whatever that place is called for you. So you'll have greater influence than I do. I, I speak to Christians. You have an audience of non-believers. We serve God. We don't serve money. So look in your notes now. Money serves us as we serve God. Money serves us as we serve God. You know that everything God ever asked me to do costs some money. If you're gonna go out and pass out witnessing tracts, somebody's gotta buy the witnessing tracts. You're gonna have a, we have curriculum in our, in our, in our growth groups. Somebody's buying the curriculum. Everything costs money that God asks us to do. But we can take that around. We can change that where money serves us as we serve God and we serve God's purposes. I think it's incredibly important for us to we make this mental shift right as we begin this series in our as we begin this series this month. Because we're gonna talk about a lot of practical things that are gonna help set you free. Like next week, we're gonna talk about how do you get out of the debt that you find yourself in and how do you set you free from that enslavery, that bondage that you're in. It's going to change your life. But there's one debt that you're supposed to have. Romans 13, 8. There's only one debt that scripture says that you're allowed to carry. Look what it says. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continued debt to love one another. Remember what I said about money? It is the number one telltale sign of the condition of our hearts. It's the outward sign of the condition of our hearts. 
And he said, listen, I, I want you, and it's interesting to me, isn't it? Doesn't it interest you that the fact that in, in, as it deals with love, as it deals with redemption, as it deals with grace, it deals with coming to Christ, that we're called debtors. He uses even a financial term there. We're debtors. For some of you, you understand this language that you had an incredible amount of sin in your life and you owed a debt. And the penalty for that debt was death. And you realize that Jesus stepped in for you and said, I'll, I'll die in your place. So you don't have to. I'll die. I'll go to the cross for you. I'll pay your debt. And he went on the cross and he shed his blood for you and I so that we could be forgiven. And the only debt that he asked us to have is the debt of love one to another. Church, if we could get that right, we could change the world. If we could get this one passage right, we would change the world. The debt to love one another. What are, what's, what's the only thing that God is going to to hold you accountable to? What's the only thing on the ledger, your financial ledger in your life? What's the only thing that wasn't wiped out by the blood of Christ? What's the one thing that when you stand before God, he's gonna look on that ledger and find, what is that? It's the debt of love one to another. How well did you love one another? How well did you love one another? I, I think as we get ready to start this new series and as we get ready to step into this new year. I think this is gonna be a year of freedom. This is gonna be a year of joy. This is gonna be a year where God puts a, a new wardrobe upon your back. I'll explain it all tomorrow night when we meet for our first time at seven o'clock. And I want you to come and begin fast with us at midnight tonight. Come tomorrow night at seven right here as we pray. But let's let God develop a love in our lives that's so profound, so deep, and so special that it puts everyone in our lives on. Isn't that what the word teaches us? That you're to be a peculiar people. Some, oh, I don't want to sign up for that. <laughs> it's a good thing. It just means you have, because of God's grace in your life, you have the ability to love beyond yourself. This morning as we close out, I want you to just stand to your feet and just, if you're able, I want you to just stand right where you are and I want you to put your hands out like this. Make a cup. Because see, I don't know everything that God wants to put into your hands this year, but I do know this. that we serve a God who wants to bless his children. A God who wants to put his children on display. A God who wants to, to honor us with his very best. So I don't know what he's going to put in your hands today, but here's what I believe. As you close your eyes right now and you place yourself in an attitude of worship, I just want you to have your hands open with nothing in them. And we'll say, God, I want whatever you want for me in this year. Not what I think I want, not what I think I need, 
I want your desires to be my desires. I want your dreams to be my dreams. I want your blessings, not the ones I think I want. I want your will to be done, not mine. And for some of you, it's a little scary because you don't know what God is going to do. But can I just tell you, you serve a good God who loves you. And for you to go to the next level, you're gonna have to give up some of the things that are in your life, some of the things that you're holding on to, some of the things that you're clinging to. Some of the things that you think that are bringing you comfort or could be gone in a moment's time. I think of the fires in Northern California and how people lost everything in just moments. It could be gone just like that. That's not where your comfort comes from. That's not where your satisfaction lies. That's not where your stability is. It comes from the Lord. And so maybe on this first Sunday of the new year, we just say, God, give us what you want us to have. I'm gonna dedicate myself, oh God, to you. I'm gonna walk in your precepts. I'm gonna do my very best to be connected to you. But you give me, you place into my hands, into my life, what your desire is for me. I don't want to be tempted by money or the things of this world. I want to serve you, not money. And while you're sitting, while you're standing there, while you're praying, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're away from God, can I, can I just give you an opportunity this morning for you to remove the indebtedness of sin that's there? the heaviness of sin that's in your life. The Bible says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. He looks at that ledger of sin, all the things that you've ever done, all the things that you've ever said, all the things that you've ever thought, all the things that are against you in that debit column. And upon your confession, upon your asking of him to come into your life and to cleanse your life, what he does, he comes in and he takes that and you're one giant eraser takes all that away. The Bible says he throws it as far as the east is from the west and he remembers it against us no more. So if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When I count to three, I want you to put your hands up all over this place. Are you ready? One. Come on, without hesitation. Two. Right now. Ready? Three. Come on, put them up. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Yes, I see your hands in the balcony. I see your hands all over this place. Come on. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner and I stand before you and I'm asking you by confessing my sins to come into my life and to make me whole and complete in you. You are my Savior and my Lord. I want to serve you and all I say and do in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you hadn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. 
If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelst.com or on any social media platform at Faith Chapel SD. We hope to see you real soon.